our worship this morning. We thank you, Lord God, that we are in your presence, Lord God, that you are here, and we just honor you, Lord God. Lord, we ask you bless this word this morning, Lord. Let our hearts receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, I think the Pastor Dave was here, was here. He would say this morning, that was good worship. So let's give our Judah team a, a, an applause for the worship this morning. You know, I don't know about you, but I was taken to the third heaven this morning. It was awesome. It was good. Good worship this morning. Amen. And um, I, um, I'm excited about the word the Lord has given me today. It's not a new word, but I think it's something that maybe it's good for us to hear again and again and again. Um, I'm so impressed by the word last Sunday, Pastor Tim gave us about the word, amen, the seed of the word being planted in our hearts. And so we need to have that word deep within us, you know. I also, when um, the um, team was up, the word of knowledge team, I felt impressed by the Lord to just share with you. If you'd write maybe on the top of the paper you have, um, these words, manifestation gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, motivational gifts, Romans 12, and ministry gifts, Ephesians 4. And for those who may not remember, don't, have not been taught, what we saw demonstrated for us this morning was the manifestation gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And did you experience how they overlapped? They confirmed each other. Those are words that the Holy Spirit gives to a person to speak to us the heart of God. And it was really interesting because I was standing there saying, Lord, do you have a word for me to give to the people this morning? And the word that came to me was the heart. So I said, Lord, I didn't speak it because it was already spoken. You know, God just confirmed to me, yeah, I, I, did, I have a word for you. And this is the word. But it was spoken through other people. It didn't need to be spoken again. Holy Spirit spoke to us this morning. So receive what he has imparted to each of us and to those of you who specifically received words of healing. Say to yourself, that's mine. Receive it. Walk ye in it. The motivational gifts that are found in Romans 12 are inherent gifts. They are gifts that are given to each of us. Some of us have more than one, but we primarily operate in one gift. And they are, they, they are, I believe there are um, seven motivational gifts. They consist of serving, mercy, giving, administration, and organization. These are just gifts that are God-given. And the Bible tells us these gifts are without repentance. So they can operate for us for the good, and they can operate for us in not good if we choose not to use them the way God wants us to. But he wants us. He wants to know that that's a calling in your life. And if you're a teacher, you're going to teach no matter where you are. You're going to teach 
in your job. You're going to teach probably in the church. You're going to always be teaching. If you're a giver, you're going to always be a giver. If you have a gift of mercy, you're going to have so much compassion for people. You may not even understand it, but God's not going to take that gift away from you. But you have to learn of it and then operate, it, operate in it. And then the ministry gifts, um, they are called the ascension gifts. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the preacher, and the teacher in Ephesians 4. I just felt like I wanted to share that with you. Go home and do your due diligence. Search those scriptures out. Understand what they mean and how they apply to you. Okay, that was for free. <laughs> Amen. Ooh, I know. God is so, 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 so very good. So this morning, I want to just talk to you a little bit about understanding God's love for you. Um, I didn't always know God's love for me. I was a Christian for a long time, and I thought I knew, but I didn't. So I wanted to share this this morning. And number one says, the most important part of a structure is its foundation. My dad um, was a construction worker. And one of the things he taught me was that the height of a building was determined by the foundation of that building. So the taller the building, the deeper the foundation had to be. Spiritually, that's true also. Our foundation has to be solid. And then, in, this is not in your notes, but uh, Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. So that's the first stone in that foundation laying, is turning from one way, repentance, and going to another, putting our faith toward God. Going back to your outline, the understanding of God's love is foundational to our walk and calling. The language of the Spirit is the Word. Going back to last week, it's the seed of the Word. If we don't understand the Word, we don't understand what the Spirit is speaking and saying to us. This is the single most important revelation we can have as believers. And I put there a scripture, John 3.16. And uh, don't put that up yet, okay? I want you to say that scripture with me, all of us who know it. And we probably heard it in vacation Bible school when we were we tots, right? Um, you know, or in Sunday school. What's that scripture? Say it with me the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And for many of us, that was probably one of the first scriptures we ever learned or knew. But how can we be, this is not a nice way to say this, but how can we get so dumbed down that we don't even have an understanding of that scripture. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave. How many of us have spent a lot of our life 
trying to get God to love us. You know, how many of us have, I, I did that. I thought if I did this, this, and this. I was, I was watching a TV program, and this lady went to, um, she went to, um, what do you call it, um, confession. And she said, the, the priest said, um, what's your sin? And she said, um, Father, I, she said three things. Father, I did this, I did this, and I did this. And he said, now, what was the second one? And the second one was probably the worst of the three things that she had done. And he said, well, say three Hail Marys and reconsider your life. You're forgiven. And closed the little window, and she went out. And I thought, a lot of us feel like we have lived our lives like that. We confess our sin. We say amen. We walk away from our prayer time. But we don't have a real sense of God's love for us. And that our sins are forgiven. We still have to confess, he says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. But we don't have to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it because he forgives us. And if we understand his love, we receive that love, we receive that grace. And I don't know about you, but what I found in my life is the things that I thought were opposive or, or offensive to God began to just drop off my life. I didn't really have to make myself do it. I don't know about you, whatever, whenever I've tried to make myself do it, I just do it again. I do more of it. It doesn't work like that. We have to accept his grace of forgiveness. <clears throat> so this love is not talking about uh, your love for God. To get God's love is based on, and the fill in there is performance. And number one was foundation, if I didn't say that. Number two, to get, to get God's love is not based on performance. And showing your love to him should not be based out of fear, works, or deeds. We heard that this morning, too. How many times have we done things because we thought God was angry with us, and if we didn't get it right, you know, he, he would zap us. I think I've shared this before. I think I may have been 9 or 10 years old, and my image of God was if I did something wrong, he was going to zap me. You know, I waited for the lightning to strike. And we lived in a house, and my house, my room was on the front part of the house on the street side. And early in the morning, a neighbor who dr drove one of those huge trucks started up his truck, and all the lights on it came out, you know, it came on, and they were yellow and green, you know, so it looked like bright sunlight. Scared me. I thought Jesus hit me. I was so frightened because my belief was he was going to zap me if I did something wrong. That's not the love of God. The message of God, number three, love has become one of works, a works message to many believers. And you don't have to raise your hand, but you know, you know if I said how many of you have experienced that, many of you would raise your hand, right? <laughs> yeah. If you love God, you know, we're told, um, you will do, 
you will go, you will give, etc. That's the works mentality. So the more I do, the more God's going to love me. The more I give, many of us, we've been in churches where they take the offering. I've been in where they take two and three and four offerings. I've been in, been in where they want the $100 people to stand up, you know, and if you only have $5 to give, you go up in shame, you know. Um, you have to make pledges for so much, and you, you're expected to give it. That's a doing. That's, a, that's giving out a compulsion. The Word of God says we don't have to do that. You give from your heart. And I've seen people, you know, sometimes I'm here receiving the offering, and I've seen people come up, and all they have is a handful of change, and they drop it in the basket, and they lower their heads because they're shamed because they don't have more to give. But if you're giving that handful of change with all of your heart, like the widow that gave the mite, that may, you may be given more than anybody else in this church. Do you know that? Yeah. God loves your heart to give. It's not the amount. And even there's a scripture that talks about God. He said, and even in the Old Testament, he said, the poor give this and the rich give this, and they're absolutely equal. You know, there's not more giving and less giving. That's just giving from the heart. Or you're required to do. I was stuck in that one. I felt like, you know, I'll share with you, I was in, and this was good. I'm not saying, because it was, it was part of my foundation. It was part of my walk. It was part of getting me to where I am today. But we had early morning prayer every day of the week. And there are still churches that do that. And sometimes I, I, I see the benefit of it, but at the same time, you have to allow grace for people. People still have to go to work. They still have children to take care of, whatever. So I would try to get up every morning because I felt like I had to go to prayer and I'd fall back to sleep. I had one dear sister. She called me every day for several months. She said, Sister Lorraine, it's time to get up. I go back to sleep. And, you know, I just felt such guilt and condemnation, you know. Then finally I got up, and I got there, and I got on my knees in front of the chair, and I fell asleep, you know. And then I still felt bad. I mean, I was better because I got there, but I still fell asleep. But then it caught on. And then it wasn't a chore. It wasn't a duty. It became a pleasure to get up and go to early morning prayer because I was doing it out of my heart, and Holy Spirit was helping me. Just, this, this is just a footnote. Back in April, early May, we started as a church 24-7 prayer on Saturday. I'm not going to ask how many of you are still doing that. Go back to that. If you chose a time to pray, if you need to adjust it or whatever, between 9 o'clock on Saturday morning until we get here on Sunday morning, find at least a 15-minute increment of time to pray. And I would encourage you, when you pray, pray in the Spirit for that 15 minutes. And for some of us, you may not be able to do that the first time. Five minutes might seem like an hour. Just let it build up. But go back if you've stopped and start praying again during that time you chose. 
And if you, you weren't here and you didn't choose a time, just choose a time in that 24 hours and pray before you come to church on Sunday. We will we'll see amazing things. We think we had praise this morning. We're going to come in one Sunday, and praise is not going to stop. We won't be able to give the word because the Holy Spirit's going to take us over. But it starts with prayer, a commitment of our heart. Okay? Thank you, Lord. And I can, I can tell you this. No matter how late I go to bed, the time I chose, Holy Spirit wakes me up. Yeah. He wakes me up. And all I can do is say, thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, there have been times where I've started praying because sometimes I'll lay there and pray. I've fallen asleep. But I get, when I wake up again, I just pray. You know, I just pray, you know. So it's, it's, it's not necessarily perfection in, at first. It's just make the effort. And then as you, even like what Pastor Tim was saying last week, with the seed, as that gets into your spirit, it won't be a chore. It won't be like, I have to pray. It'll be like he says, I get to pray. <laughs> Isn't that good? Yeah. All right. <clears throat> All right. I lost my place. So when we can't do, we can't go, we can't do, we can't give, then we believe, we believe that we don't love God enough. And I know people like that. They feel like they have to do everything. They have to pray the right prayers. They have to tithe every penny, every dime. You know, they have to do that in order to do enough for God. But they, they don't have to do that. We don't have to do that. Let's look at 1 John 4.8. It says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And that's the that last part of the scripture is what I want you to focus on. For God is love. <clears throat> I think there's some more to that. Okay. God is love. His nature, character, and everything he does is based solely out of his love for us. Everything he's ever done has been based out of his love for us. When we think about even Israel, everything he did for them, even the correction he brought to them, was because he loved them. Think about your own natural children. You don't correct them because you want to hurt them. You correct them because you don't want them to be hurt, and you, don't, you want them to be safe. So even when God corrects us, even when he shifts things and it's not very comfortable, you know, maybe we're moving out of his will for, our, for the calling that he has on our lives. You know, he has to make an adjustment. And the best thing we can do is just stand still and say, Lord, your will be done, not mine. And I don't know about you, but I have a strong will. I do. And I can be very stubborn. And God has had to correct me. But you know, he does it gently. He does it so sweetly sometimes. And when he finishes, I'm just in tears. And I'm so thankful that he does, you know. Um, our actions don't affect God and his love for us. He can, he can handle just about anything, you know. He really can. But they can affect how we react to him. Because what does it do? It causes us to draw back from him. And that's not what he wants. 
Let's look at Matthew 22, 32, or 30, what, did I, what did I have here? 34 to 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Of these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Amen? Just think about that for a minute. Focusing on God's love for you brings you into grace. Jesus and the Father were moved with compassion, not pity, which is condemnation, or sympathy, which is distance. And I'm going to explain that a little bit. You're on, the, you're on the street, you know, or you're in your car, and I don't know about you, but I'm bombarded with people on the corners with their sign. You know, I'm, 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 I'm hungry, feed me. Um, and I just love the ones with, um, I, one day I, the, the guy was on the, at the corner, he had his little sign. He's talking on his cell phone and he's smoking a cigarette. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay. Um, I had pity for him, but I was not moved to help him. That's not true compassion. Compassion moves us into action. Sometimes I see them and I want to act, and I do, and sometimes I don't. So I have to ask the Lord, you know, of these people, who am I supposed to help? How can I best support them? And when I can, and there have been instances, I've shared this one before that really touched my heart. This happened years ago. I was in a Hardee's. I went in to buy a breakfast sandwich. I'm leaving the place, and there's this guy sitting there at a booth, and he had a cup of coffee. And I walked past him, and the Lord said, go back. And I thought, was that me or was that the Lord? So I kept going. I, went, I got in my car, got to the car. The Lord said, go back. So I went back, and I went up to him, and I said, this may sound strange to you, but I believe the Lord wants me to give you something to eat. And he looked up at me, tears coming out of his eyes. He said, thank you, lady. He said, I haven't had anything to eat for two days. Well, you know what? I knew I heard God, and that touched me. I blessed. I went and I said, what would you like? I went to the counter. I got it. I gave it to him. But I tell you, I was like this high when I came out of that place because I heard God, you know? You know, and there are times where he'll do that. He'll just, you'll know that you know that you know you're supposed to give, you know. Be obedient to that, you know. But don't come under condemnation if you, you know, if you don't get that. I've seen him, I mean, I, we all have had experiences. This guy one time at a Walmart, he said he was a preacher and he was trying to get home and his car broke down. I gave him something. I'm at Walmart another day. I see him saying the same thing to somebody else, you know. But I can't be moved by that either. That can't stop me from giving. I have to hear God. So sometimes we can have pity, but it's not the pity that moves us to action. 
And sometimes it brings condemnation because what we do, we tend to judge people, you know, and, and God doesn't want that. Or we try to separate ourselves from them, you know. We judge them by saying, well, how did they get in that situation? If they just stop drinking, if they get a job, you know. So just, just check yourself when you are approaching individuals that need help. Is, is your heart like God's love? Is it moved with compassion? And if it is, what does Holy Spirit say for you to do? We have an opportunity, is it the 27th, to go and bless some people. You know, we never know. Like, I think it was a, this Tuesday, Kim, we were here, or last Tuesday. This Tuesday, we were here, and the weather was bad. Pastor Ina said, um, you know, I don't know if we need to stay all day. You know, I want you guys to maybe close up so you, you get, can get home safely. There were just the two of us here. These people come in for prayer, this young man and woman come in for prayer. They're from Jacksonville, Florida. I tell you, didn't we have an awesome prayer time with them? And nobody else came on Tuesday, but they came in. We were supposed to be here just for them, you know? So if we had closed, we would have missed that. And they were, I don't know if they were going back that same day or the next day. From Jacksonville, Florida. That was a God thing, you know? So we don't want to distance ourselves from people because we never know. Like, I, I love this. The gifts and callings of the Lord are without repentance. And every gift we have, God wants us to use it for his glory, you know, to benefit his kingdom. Let's just look at a few. I'm not going to go through all of these scriptures, but just, just look at a few. Let's look at Matthew 9:36. But when he saw the multitude, this is Jesus, it says he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Okay, go to the next one, 15:32. Now Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they have continued with me three days and have nothing to eat, and I do not want to send them away hungry lest they faint away. I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and ha having nothing to eat. Let's go to uh, Matthew 14, 14. <clears throat> And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them, and he healed their sick. When we, have, when we know the love of God for us, we're going to have compassion for the people. And not only will we be able to feed them, but we're going to lay hands on them, and they're going to be healed. Because, you know, think about this. When Jesus was here on the earth, and I understand he was God, he didn't have to pray to the Father, Father, help me heal them. No, healing was in him. Now he's in us. So all we have to do is stretch forth our hands and heal. It's not us anyway. It's him. And when we're moved with compassion, when we're moved with love, you know, not pity, not condemnation, Things are going to happen. I'm a, you know, I, 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 Lord, I'm very, I, sometimes I'm more transparent than I think I like to be. 
when I'm ministering, but sometimes, you know, okay, okay, Lord, I'm not going to argue. <laughs> so I had been, I'm going to, just as a, just an example of move with compassion, I think. I had been gifted a card for a massage. And so I scheduled an appointment and I met, um, went for the massage. And I'm laying on the table and the lady starts talking to me. She's asking me questions. And all of a sudden she asked me a church question and she asked me about the Holy Spirit. And so here I am, I'm laying on my face. She's working on my back and I'm preaching Holy Spirit to her. Now, isn't that the oddest place you would think? <laughs> I'm telling her about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, my experience with the Holy Spirit. And I thought, well, Lord, you know, I got a massage and it was great. But was that for me or was that for her? You know, isn't that the oddest place in the world that you would be talking about the Lord? And she and she started asking me more questions and more questions. And. She was raised up in a church. They believe in the gifts of the spirit, but not in speaking in other tongues. So I was talking to her about that. But isn't that the oddest thing? I left there thinking, and she said to me, she said, well, I hope you'll come back. Her name was Autumn Rose. I'm going back to see Autumn Rose because there's a mission there. It's not just for me, it's for her. And she was hungry and she was receptive. But isn't that the oddest place? You never know. You just don't know. And I, I was thinking as I'm talking to her, I'm on a massage table and I'm talking to this lady about the Holy Spirit. Okay, Lord, just, just let it go. God, he, he doesn't care where you are, who, who you are, he will use you. Okay, let, let's, go, um, let's go to Matthew 18, 27. Can we do that one? Oh, we did that one. Um, go to Mark 5.19. We're not going to do all of them. It says, however, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion for you. This is when he healed um, again. He, he um, I think that's the one. Yeah, where he delivered the man that was possessed of demons. Um, let's look at Luke 7.13. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, do not weep. And this is when um, there was a raising, uh, um, raising from the dead. Um, Luke 7, 12, I think I probably should have read that first. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the city was with her. Now, if you could go to 13, I'm sorry. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. And um, look at Luke 15, 20. This is a picture of, the picture of restoration of the world. Love motivates us because God is love. And he arose and came to his father. And when he was still a great way off, we, I love this story. This is the prodigal son. His father saw him, had compassion. That's all of us at one point. And ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. You know, he says, my son that was lost has come home. 
my invitation to you today, if you don't know Jesus, come home today. Number five, the love of man instills fear. Being a man pleaser will only keep you in bondage. The love of God is freedom. When we know how much God loves you, or when you know how much God loves you, who cares what other people think? You know, oftentimes we are moved by what other people think, what they're going to say. We won't open our mouths because we don't know how they're going to respond because we're more focused on us than we are on the God in us. So when we know how much God loves us, we don't care about what others, others think. Amen? God bless you.